Welcome to the Sports Development Authority podcast. I'm Stacey Wells, current sports facility manager with experience in all facets of sports. From team mom, coach, starting a club, running a facility, to overseeing construction of the one I manage now. I help individuals and organizations create a plan, design, construct, and manage their sports dreams. This podcast will give you a few of the tips and tricks I've learned along the way. So when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I remember doing a project in school where we had to pick a state and write to the Convention and Visitors Bureau in order to get fun things to do when visiting that state. I either picked or drew Florida, I don't really remember the details, but the return envelope that I had was jam-packed with lots of fun things to do when visiting there. Of course, because Florida is a huge tourist destination. Not every student received the same big packet. Uh, I believe some might not have gotten anything back, and maybe that state didn't even offer a kind of resource. But since then, the birth of the Internet has come, and now states have websites that you can go to and find all kinds of information and fun things to do when you're visiting. You no longer have to write and hope for a return packet. I had another topic on the schedule for today, but after I mentioned the sports commissions last week, I had a few messages with, from people that across the country asking for more information on what exactly that was. So for details, a sports commission is any city or non-city organization characteristically designed to market a city as an attractive destination for amateur and professional sports events. Sometimes, if the area doesn't offer a sports commission, they have a designated person on staff at the Convention and Visitors Bureau, or the CVB, and that, that person just spoke, focuses on sports tourism. The need for commissions or designated sports staff has exploded since the sports tourism sector is becoming so financially rewarding for communities. Like we discussed last week, normally they're a division of the CVB, and just like the packet that I received, so many areas have more to offer to the sports tourism interest than others, and it's the job of the sports tourism to make their area the most attractive area possible for those events that would fit within their realm. How can, so how can they do that? Well, sports commissions can provide marketing, they can secure corporate sponsorships, they provide volunteers, they also act as a go-between on behalf of the event director with hotels, transportation providers, attractions, restaurants, and venues. Sometimes even bigger events rely on the CVB or the sports commissions to help create the bid to bring the event to the area, such as NCAA attorneys that we've just experienced and are in the process of, state high school events, even cornhole tournaments, often request money during the bid process. The area that can provide the most money often gets the events. However, Sometimes it's the services that CVBs or sports commissions provide that wins the contract. Many of them act as the third party to help facilitate kickbacks for the directors of the events with turning blocks, such as a third-party housing company, which we'll discuss more in a later episode. But the great thing about this is the rebates go back to the director of the event, and the hotel still makes money. The commission does not receive anything from doing this other than the tax on the hotel rooms if that community offers that tourism tax on hotel rooms. By creating that block of rooms, it also allows the commission and the hotel to be able to look at analytics and how they're able to help directors and event staff bringing events into that area. Not all commissions are able to provide that same service, so if you have events or you're looking for the next place to take it, 
it's important to reach out and find out if they offer a commission or a designated sports contact in their CVB. And if so, what services that they can provide. I just got back from a convention as well, and it was a meeting with over 60 women in sports roles. Most of them were for, from sports commissions or CVBs across the nation. There were representatives from Pennsylvania, California, North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Puerto Rico, and, and several more. It was so much fun to hear about the engaging roles that, they're, that they play within sports tourism of their area. I was able to connect with Celia Anderson. She's with the Columbus, Ohio Commission, and she was gracious enough to give me some time. The Greater Columbus Sports Commission has held over 600 events that have brought in over $625 million in visitor spending since its inception 20 years ago. This woman is a powerhouse in her field, and she has so much history with sports from an early age to college and now with the commission. Before the commission in Columbus, though, she was a part of the CVB in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so since she had experience with both of these organizations, I was excited to dig deeper into what her role contributes to her Ohio area. Take a listen. Hi, so my name is Celia Anderson, of course, and um, currently I am the Senior Director of Business Development at the Sports Commission. My career started in well, my career in the hospitality industry started in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is my hometown. So um, I did the religious and the multicultural market there. And then Columbus recruited me to do the same thing for Columbus, actually. So I moved to Columbus. So um, the sports side, actually, it's a lot of fun for me. Because I did play college basketball, you know, my daughter plays college basketball. And so I've always loved sports. So it really feels good to be back you know, on the sports side. Um, so you mentioned Little Rock and working for their uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm -hmm. what, what exactly did you do for them? Like, what did your day or your week, what were your normal duties that you did? Hi. Well, you know, when you're on the sales side of the Convention and Visitors Bureau, just to sum it up into one sentence, your job is to put heads in beds. I have a philosophy that my properties, my hotel, my community, they are my first customers. So I have a very collaborative mindset. I try to get them what they need. Um, so part of my day to day is maintaining relationships with my properties. Um, the second part, of course, is servicing my clients. So once you have a good relationship with where you want people to go, then you can go after clients and bring them into your city and not worry about how well they're going to be serviced because you know the places that they're going. So my day-to-day, -day, back to your question, sorry, I went off on a little tangent, but <laughs> my day-to-day -day in Little Rock was maintaining relationships with my hotels, soliciting new business, and then getting contracts signed and getting people to town. Um, Little Rock, much like Columbus, is a place where if you can get people on a plane and get to the city and see the city, you have a better chance of signing the business. So did Little Rock have a sports commission? 
No, so Rock did not have a sports commission. There was just a sports department. Um, so uh, sports was just a market that was underneath the sales team. So there wasn't a separate sports commission. Um, and I'm pretty sure they don't care what I think, but I really do think they should head that way because Little Rock has a great potential to be a um a good sports city if they could, um, you know, if they could pass the millage so that they can build some um, facilities. But, you know, if they got a sports commission, that could be, you know, the first project at hand is enhancing the sports facilities there. So they don't have a sports commission, but I really do think that's something they should consider in the future. What we both learned this past week at the conference was, for me at least, that there aren't a lot of sports commissions. There's not designated sports commissions that work together with the CBBs. And I was surprised by that. But then when I think back before, cause I'm also on the board of my local sports commission. And before I got involved in that, I don't know that I even knew there was such a thing as a sports commission. So when you went to Columbus, what made it different from what you were doing previously? Um, so when I started in Columbus, I started at the CVB and I, when I got to Columbus, it was just a place that I had more resources. I had more support, you know, it was a larger bureau. And so you just, you have, you know, in Little Rock, I didn't necessarily have a executive assistant, you know, but when I moved to Columbus, you know, I had a team of people who were helping me succeed. So that was the first difference is, you know, moving to a larger bureau, but I also had more to sell. You know, uh, the largest property in Little Rock is the Marriott. I think it has 400 rooms or maybe a little less, but the largest property in Columbus is now a thousand rooms. You know, I have 1.8 million square feet in my convention center in Columbus. And so the landscape of my job changed. Um, luckily for me, a lot of the clients that I were working, I was working with in Little Rock, where I could host their reg regional meetings, now they could come with me and I could host their, nas their national meeting. Um, once I got them to town, it was, you know, it really wasn't that difficult to sign the business and to get contracts, especially when people trust you, you know, so they knew me, they trusted me, they knew that I was going to do the best job I could for them and I was going to point, point them in the right direction. So with that, did Columbus already have a sports commission? Oh, yeah. So the sports commission already existed and um, so Linda Logan started our sports commission 20 years ago, <laughs> and uh, she was a, you know, one woman show, and now we have 12 on our team. But so the sports commission was already there. And in 2018, because I'm such a basketball person, they were hosting the Women's Basketball Final Four. And so Linda invited me to um, a few dinners and to be involved because I actually played in a Women's Final Four in 1998. So she invited me to be involved. And I just thought it was very, very kind of her. And so then I started working on a project. I wanted to develop a um, a diversity department for um, the CVB. 
And so it was pretty much me writing a business plan, researching what other people were doing. And I just remembered that Linda started the Sports Commission. So I called her and said, hey, you know, can you look over this with me? And she did just that. I had a meeting with her and she talked through my plan with me you know, talked about where we could get funding and all of those kind of things. And then thus began kind of a relationship. And so when her position came open on her team for the director's position, decided to throw my hat in the ring. And I'm glad that I did because the transition to the sports side, I didn't think my job could get better. But um, I have had, I've been on this side since 2020. And every day I wake up, it's like, I get to go to work today. And, you know, that's what you hope for in your life, that one day you can have a job where you're saying, I get to show up today. No, and it's so much fun. You mentioned being in with playing in a final four. Um, So you played sports your entire life. Did you, did you play multiple sports or did you focus just on one? I played volleyball a little bit in high school, but um, so I came, um, you know, AAU basketball had just started in um, Arkansas when I was coming up. And so I, you know, it just didn't afford a chance for me to continue with the volleyball because basketball was certainly my better sport. I was six one, you know, I was getting interest from colleges. So um, I think maybe around 10th grade, I um, stopped playing volleyball. So I also threw the shot put in the discus for um, the track team. And I <laughs> actually qualified for the state track meet, but couldn't go because I had an AAU tournament. So you can imagine <laughs> the track team wasn't me. So <laughs> my commitment to basketball was just always so vast. So I played other sports, but um, basketball was my main thing. And it was my main thing because at the time, I knew that's how I could go to college. And I just really didn't have another option. You know, no one could pay for me to go to college. Um, I guess you could take out loans, but the scholarship to me just sounded better. So, Right. No, why not work hard and try to get that? Because that loans are always an option. But if you can get it paid for, why not do that? And so you played for Arkansas, and you mentioned I did. And you went to the Final Four in '98. So, how much since the Final Four has just ended and the championship was yesterday? How much did that bring back all those memories? Oh, so my head coach was Gary Blair. So he was at the game last night. He's being inducted into the um, Sports Hall of Fame, and so. It was just interesting. You know, when you look at 25 years, I mean, God, it's hard to say that out loud. That was 25 years ago. But, you know, you still, you know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Blair and um, what he's done and what he's built, you know, even since leaving Arkansas. But um, sitting there at the game, it was just, it was nostalgic is the best way you can say it. Cause you're, you're watching these young girls who have the same dream that you had. Um, and they, they probably don't see what life will be like in 25 years, but to be sitting in the spot, watching them 25 years later, it kind of gives you a sense of hope, I guess, if, if that's the best way to say it. It's like, 
man, their futures are so bright. And I'm pretty sure they know they have bright futures, but do they really know that everything that they are getting right now from this sport of basketball is going to transfer into life and they are really going to be ahead of the game? Like when I started in my professional career, I worked hard and when no one was looking at me, when no one even knew I was working hard, But that mindset came from all of those years of being an athlete, you know, where you are practicing. You're up at 6 a.m., you're practicing, you are going to class, you're coming back to practice again, and you're followed by weights, and you're preparing for something that you may not, that you don't even know for sure that you can get, but it's just that belief inside of you that you really can do it. And so when you play on the sports team and you do all of that practicing and that preparing, and then it pays off for you, it just kind of creates this idea in your mind that, hey, I can do anything if I practice and I prepare for it. And so I took that mindset to my career. The other thing that I think basketball gave me was this this no quit attitude. You know, like I have lost a lot in my life. I lost a lot of games. Um, but every time I lost on Thursday, I had to play again on Sunday and I didn't have a choice. And so now in my career, you know, if I lose a piece of business, it's okay because I'm going to bid for that business again on Sunday, you know. And so all of those transferable skills that you get from basketball. Yeah, you mentioned you, you think about 25 years, what was happening on that landscape of women's basketball and then mm-hmm. go 25 more. I mean, we talked about it, talked about it in the. Um, conference, how much Title IX has completely changed the whole landscape of everything and giving just more opportunities to women. And what do you, what do you foresee as the next 25 years? How do you think that that whole changes? I am very, very proud of what the NCAA, the direction they're headed with women's basketball. I cannot say enough good things. Um, But the next 25 years, I mean, we may be competing with the men for space. You know, right now, the men, there are only about eight cities that they can compete in because they average about 70,000. And so, you know, there are only a few places you could go to compete. And I mean, I dare say that the women's could grow that large. I mean, we are growing. People are paying attention um, and they are loving the product that's out there right now. Last night's game was a lot of fun to watch. So back to sports commission and sports tourism. I mean, how has your role changed sports tourism in your city right now? And how much do you see it changing in the future? Man, so listen, the beautiful thing about my role is that I have Linda Logan. And Linda has built such a reputation for sports in Columbus that it just makes my job a whole lot easier. I think what I get to add to her legacy and to what she's built is just a fresh new set of eyes who um, is looking at things in a very, very progressive way. So, and that's fun for me because I am an innovator and I am a creator. And so I love the fact that I get to bring those two skill sets to the table. Did you, do you guys have a board within your sports commission? We do. So we have a board totally separate from our CVB board. Mm -hmm. And do you meet with them on a monthly basis? Every other, 
believe. I think it's every other month. Don't quote me on that. I should know that, but <laughs> we do meet with them, I think, every other month. How much do they have input within your ideas and your development of the different activities you're wanting to bring to town? Oh, yeah. We don't do anything unless we run it by our board first. You know, like we're not going to go with them with every single thing we're bidding on, of course. But when I give my report in the board meeting, meeting, I talk about the big things we're bidding on because, you know, in the sports market, there you, there are a great deal of things that you have to come up with some funding. And so, you know, we look to our board um, to guide us on that. So you also mentioned fundraising and funding and how you have to put bids on to get some of the bigger events. Where do you get most of your fundraising or your money from for those bids? We get funding from the community and, you know, we have something else called a business development fund that all of the rights, all of the partners kind of put into a pot in case we have a rights holder that, you know, needs something more. So do you guys offer a tourism or do you have a tourism tax that's put on your hotels when people stay in the hotel that also goes to you? Yeah. So a portion of it, all of it does not go to us, but um, there's a portion of it that's part of our funding structure is we do get that sales tax. And then the other part is um, funded by private dollars. So in addition to raising funds for events. Can you think of anything else that the listeners would need to know about a sports commission or even a CVB that might not have one in their area? So I knew nothing about the Convention and Visitors Bureau until the CEO at Little Rock walked up to me one day and said, hey, you really should work for the Bureau. And I just looked at her and said, you know, the FBI is not my thing. <laughs> and so we shared a good laugh before she said, no, the Convention and Visitors Bureau. So I just would employ people to, um, especially if you're looking at getting into the tourism industry to see what's in their in their cities and to also utilize their services. If you're visiting a city, what better place to go than the website of the Convention and Visitors Bureau that should tell you all the things to do, the places to stay, you know, and one stop shopping. Great tips. Great advice. So, um, well, thank you so much. Have safe travels going home this afternoon. All right. Well, thank you. So awesome to meet you. All right. Same to you. I just loved getting to meet her and so many of the other women that are involved in area sports commissions and CBBs and how much their area is impacted by sports tourism. And I loved having to hear, loved how getting to hear how sports helped pave Celia's way into her current career and the impact it had on her work ethic. And as she mentioned, the Sports Commission is responsible for getting heads to bed for her community. Her team makes sure that sponsors and the community are taken care of, so they in turn take care of those coming in for the big events that are scheduled. And although Celia's communities are different, definitely on the larger scale, with Little Rock being one that doesn't even have a designated Sports Commission, I don't think any community is too small to offer a resource to help with that such as the event bookings, and especially with an area that has facilities that can attract outside revenue. As I mentioned earlier, the Sports Commission doesn't have to be a city-operated organization. 
Maybe there's a local hotel group that wants to act on that behalf to start helping get the heads to bed. Or maybe there's an area CVB that you could reach out to and see if they'd be interested in partnering with your community as well. And just like so many things, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all situation with this. I think there are other ways to help build sports tourism in your area. Check out this episode's notes and find out how to connect with me, and we can dive deeper on your particular area and see what kind of an organization would fit your needs. Or maybe you have a CVB and it just is ready for a revamp. I can help with that too. So let's help get those heads in the beds and get more kids playing in your area. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If so, please make sure to leave a review. If your community is in need to create or expand their sports and event facilities or organizations, please do not hesitate to reach out to me so we can continue to build and develop our communities, economies, and most important, our youth. With me on LinkedIn and Linktree at Stacey D. Wells. Thank you for joining me on Sports Development Authority.